Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. Jody used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jody will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jody Harrison Bauer. Hello, everybody, and good afternoon. I am actually not in the Northeast today. I'm in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm so excited to be here with my guest, Dr. Zen. Nice to meet you and have you on the show. Yes, I cannot wait. I'm super excited you're here in sunny Scottsdale. I know, I know. I'm so excited, too. And I just wanted to um, thank everybody for checking in on the show every single week, everybody around the world. I really, really appreciate the love. And as you know, we are here every single week. I'm here with my guests to educate, empower, and inspire, (laughs) Um, which is why Dr. Zen and I um, align so well, and it's just so much fun. We are going to be talking about hormones, sex, energy, and everything that's going to make your body feel balanced and wonderful. But first, I want to give you a little information about Dr. Zen, and here we go. Dr. Alicia Zenhauser, right? Yes, good job. (laughs) NMD, or Dr. Zen for short, is a licensed naturopathic doctor and the founder of NMD Wellness of Scottsdale. It's beautiful here, by the way. Thank you. She focuses on helping women get back into the driver's seat of their own health, She believes in helping educate, inspire, and empower women to better understand their hormones so they can make the decisions that are right for them. She has been featured as a lead expert in wellness in a variety of publications, including InStyle Magazine, Shape, and Forbes, and truly believes in empowering women to optimize their health naturally. I love that, love that, love that. And... So let's get right into it. Yes. The thing that I know that you are also a fertility expert, Mm -hmm. um, and we'll get to that. Yeah. But what I wanted to start talking about is what if, let's talk about libido in your 20s. Let's take us through all the different decades. Yes. Oh my gosh. So important. I think we don't talk about it enough. It's not something that you typically talk with your girlfriends about, especially in your 20s. Um, But it is actually something that many women come to my office experiencing. We have a full intake that really helps patients better understand and kind of check those things off. And oftentimes things that people aren't willing to come in and say right away is vaginal dryness and low libido. So low libido doesn't have to be something that is kind of post-menopausal. It can be experienced in many different aspects of your life. In your 20s and 30s, one of the most common causes of low libido can actually be being on birth control, mm. which is something that people don't think about. They're like, oh, I just didn't think that I was really into it as much, or maybe right. I'm experiencing a little bit of vaginal dryness and I thought that was normal. Then they get off of birth control and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a whole new world. And then having a baby also changes your your hormones, making you actually have better sex drive during pregnancy. A lot of women experience that. And then when we start to notice a decrease in that estrogen level, we also start to see a decrease in libido. We think of testosterone as the only hormone associated with libido, but that's actually not the case. We need all of our other hormones to be in alignment as well. It's so true when people think that their libido is low. I know I did. I used to, but I've been doing a lot of research on it. As you know, I've just started using bioidentical hormones. That's sort of how we bonded. Yes. Um, But I remember, you know, I had my first child at 28, Mm -hmm. and I didn't think about my hormones, of course, because everything was working fine. Right. You know, I was one of those lucky ones in that sense that I never had a hard time getting pregnant. Right. So I was very fortunate. And, you know... I I don't really remember the whole sex thing in between 28 and 32, and I had two miscarriages in between my first and my second, but um, I remember thinking that, you know, I... I had a really high sex drive while I was pregnant. Yes. And I'm like, uh-huh. yes, and I remember yep. thinking this is awesome. Yeah. So is the rise in testosterone 
higher then or is it progesterone and estrogen? Tell me. So it's a combination. So definitely that progesterone and estrogen is really what we're seeing increase in those levels when you're pregnant and that's why you're feeling kind of that like more like sexual, more, yeah. you know, you're Hornier. like, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. And then also what's interesting too is after having a baby, a lot of times women will say, well, I was fine. I never had any issues. But oftentimes when you were in pregnancy, you had an appointment, what, like every month or every yeah. other month or really checking on you. Then you have a baby and they're like, oh, well, just check at six weeks. Make sure you're not bleeding into, you know, yes. at all, which is really important. And then they're like, enjoy motherhood. And that's kind of the end. Enjoy motherhood. Yes. <laughs> and they're like, enjoy it. And they don't even tell you when to come back. So a lot of women go months and months after having a baby thinking it's normal for them to feel tired because it's their first baby or because they're like, oh, I have such brain fog. Like I just have mom brain and they'll go a year, two years until they get any blood work done. So Mm. I'm a big advocate in get the testing done because it really does make a difference. We don't know what we don't know until we test. Wow. I wish you were around when I was in between (laughs) children. I don't really, again, I, you know, it was so long ago. Um, I don't really remember having any of those issues, except I, I remember telling people I always loved being pregnant. Right. I was one of those girls also. I'm yeah. sure you see other women that hate, hate being it. pregnant. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I was gross. I mean, I gained 45 pounds with my first and 35 with my second. Wow. I was, it was a lot of water weight. Right. Yeah. After, after I had my first one, she weighed 515, was six days late only 19 inches long. Oh my gosh. And I gained 45 pounds. Wow. And I said to the nurse right afterwards, um, can I get on the scale to see how much weight I lost? And she's like, no, you don't want yeah. to. And I said, no, I need, I need to. Right. And in 10 days I lost 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that was water. Right. Um, but it's such a, it's such a, a interesting, difficult, hard time after you have that baby, because there's so much leading up to giving birth. Right. You know, you're scared. For me, I was really scared to yeah. like, actually give birth. 100%. And then you have this beautiful child, and you're like, no, what do I do? Yeah. Everything in your body changes. Yeah. So do you find that, how do, so the women that have found you, do you think they're just more educated, more aware of their bodies than somebody like me, um, you know? As you know, I'm 60 years old. So back then, I had my daughters in 89 and uh, 93. So is there just more information out there? So I think it's a combination. So social media has made a huge impact in a positive way for women's health. I think we're talking about these issues more often. We're seeing women express when they, you know, go through a miscarriage or if they go through IVF or if something's hard, people are sharing that. And so I think that's super valuable. So it's a lot more accessible in that way, right? You can do it, you know, you can look at it at home. No one needs to know what you're looking at. You have a better understanding of, of women's health. I think also the access to testing has really changed. So there's so many companies like Modern Fertility where you can do a lot of the testing at home, kind of get your feet wet in like where things are at. We're also learning that in our generation, in the millennials, I think we're tired of like being on birth control and saying Mm. that's the only solution for everything. And so we're questioning that a lot more. And so I think that has really helped too. So it's kind of a combination of everything. I think having the access to social media has been a total game changer. All right. Let's talk about birth control. Yeah. So you said that birth control can really mess up the balance of hormones. Yes. Can you, I know usually it's, so it puts the body into a state of always feeling pregnant. Is that correct? So it's a little bit different. So the way that it works, birth control, and there's different forms of birth control, right? There's oral birth controls, there are IUDs, there's some that are hormonal, some that are non, like a copper IUD, for example. But when it comes to Uh, birth control, it works by giving you a little bit of estrogen and progesterone in order to break that ovulation aspect between the brain and the ovaries so you don't ovulate. Without ovulation, you can't get pregnant. So that's kind of how it works. Um, But for some people, it can be really helpful, really help kind of manage their symptoms. But if women go on birth control, and I see this a lot, where we'll Women will tell me, oh, I actually had super irregular cycles when I was in my teens and I was put on birth control at like 16. To regulate, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I've always had really regular cycles since, but now I'm, you know, 30 and I'm wondering like, okay, now that I'm getting off of birth control, why are my cycles so irregular? I thought that birth control fixed my problem. That's what I always thought. And it does not. So it just masks your symptoms. So oftentimes women will go a really long time. And that's something that also I think is really important that we talk about 
about and really educate women about because if you had irregular cycles prior to birth control and you're thinking about potentially having a baby or getting off birth control, give yourself that six months to a year before you're ready to really try so your body can regulate back into the normal range. Or if things are not normal, you have a little bit more time to meet with your doctor, do the blood work, do those things where you don't feel that pressure. I never want to take like the sexy out of having a baby, right. but I also don't want women to go month after month like being like, I got my period again, I got my period again. I want to make sure that they're really taking that proactive approach. And that's where we really find the magic is like six months to a year. That's when they come in. We start taking them off of birth control. They do all the hormone testing. So then their body is ready in the best way possible for that pregnancy. I also don't want women to just get pregnant, right? Like you right, mentioned, right. going through a miscarriage with yes. going through one is terrible as it is. When you go I through two, two that's it's hard. It's very traumatic. And oftentimes when you go to your OBGYN, they say, you know, um, most of the time they say, you know, we don't know why that happened, but feel free to try again next month. And you're kind of like, Correct. right? You mm -hmm. feel like I just went through a trauma, but they're like, jump into the next step. And so I think it's really important that we address that aspect of it too. And what can we do to help prevent? That's my biggest goal in life. How can we help women not have to go through miscarriages as often? It's very common, especially in that first trimester. So whatever we can do to support it, the better. So that's kind of what I do and I help women um, in that process. And then also in postpartum. We don't talk enough about hormones in postpartum. Yes. And then also going through menopause. The other aspect that's really important is we think just hormones is different than the rest of the body, but it's all interconnected. So it affects your metabolism. It affects your cortisol level. So it's all very much related to whether you're having symptoms that are more sexually based, whether it's vaginal dryness or decreased libido. Yes, that can be hormonal, but things like brain fog, energy, difficulty losing weight can also be hormonal. So we have to kind of take that picture all together and have that integrative approach to your health. So hormones control everything, everything in our literally body. Literally everything. They, mm -hmm. And I don't think enough people understand that. Yes. It's the hormones. When people complain about, oh, I have a high metabolism, I can't lose weight. Or I have a low metabolism, I can't lose weight. Yeah. And I'm really, really stressed out. You know, the cortisol levels are rising. Yeah. But it's that's the most simplistic thing. And, right. you know, when I see clients that are trying to have get pregnant or trying to lose weight, yeah. and I'm like, the worst thing you could do for your body is to be stressed out. Mm -hmm. So before we get out, get to the stress, because we have so much to talk yes. about, um, I still want to go back to the... The, I, the birth control. Yeah. Because I know there are a lot of women listening that are on birth control that may want to get pregnant or maybe they've been on birth control for five, six, eight years. A decade. Yeah. Many yes. of us. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest first for the women that maybe started going on birth control college, end of high school, college, and are still on it and they're in a relationship or maybe they're on off what do you suggest they do because they don't want to get pregnant? Right. So it's really helpful. I think birth control is great. I'm not going to say that birth control is this horrible thing that we should never be on, but we just have to be cognizant of why we're on it and for that duration. So things like being on a prenatal, so a multivitamin that's more specialized to fertility is really helpful. So we know birth control naturally depletes our body of certain nutrients. And so we want to make sure that we have those along the process. So just taking a prenatal doesn't make you all of a sudden more fertile, but it does help support your body. So being on a prenatal at the same time that you're on birth control is really helpful. I've always heard prenatal vitamins are the best to be they on. They are amazing. And there's a lot on the market, so it can be overwhelming. Okay. There are definitely um, good ones and bad ones. Ones that have more activated forms of um, the vitamins and the nutrients are going to be more beneficial. So if you go to a typical grocery store and you see a prenatal, I think the rule to look for is if your prenatal tells you to only take one capsule per day, don't take it. Okay. <laughs> because usually you can't get enough nutrients in just one capsule. So it's really important that, generally speaking, the prenatal that we use in our office. office what is it called? It's called Prenatal Pro by Designs for Health. Um, and it actually has four capsules in it, or you get the packet that actually comes with the fish oil. So it's an all encompassing one. Um, that one's really great. We love Saqqara. Saqqara has a great multivitamin and prenatal that's amazing. It has the activated and methylated forms of the B12 and folic acid, which are really important as well. A lot of supplements or prenatals will say that it has folic acid, 
but we really need folate or methyl uh, tetrahydrofolate. I'm trying to say that five yeah, times. Right. So that can be really helpful as well. So definitely looking at brands, it does make a big difference. And then quality and dosage. So there's brands out there. There's like uh, Vital Nutrients, um, and they have good nutrients, but maybe not as much as you need. So if they're, again, only one to two capsules, that's kind of a rule of them. That's usually not enough. They can't really put enough in there to make a huge difference. So look for prenatals that have closer to that four capsules per day. Do can anybody take prenatal? Like, could I, or would it be dumb for somebody my no. age to take it? Because I, like I said, I've always mm -hmm. heard they're really, really good, and it is very, very important. There are so many crappy vitamins out there that yes. literally stay in your system for for six months. Yes, it's crazy, it's disgusting. And then also, like where you're buying them makes a huge difference, yes. right? Amazon came out with an article saying that unfortunately they do not do any additional testing to make sure that the supplements are really what's actually on the label. Wow. So be very careful with where you're buying supplements just because that can make a huge difference. We think of like Louis Vuittons as being counterfeits and things like that yes. to worry about. We actually have to worry about it with supplements as well. Um, so just something also to, to keep in mind. Prenatals are awesome. They're going to contain, again, if they have that methylated form, super helpful throughout to your whole um, you know, life, whether it's in your 20s, 30s, you know, 60s, 70s, all of that can be super helpful. Other thing to notice too is if your urine starts to turn like that bright yet Gatorade yellow yes. a lot of women will be like oh my gosh I'm like dehydrated what's going on it actually is because you have B vitamins in the prenatals. B vitamins are water soluble, which means they are filtered through the kidney. So it's normal for a little bit of that to end in the urine. So yeah. I definitely experienced that. Me and I, too. my patients will sometimes call yeah. and be like, oh my gosh, what is <laughs> going neon. on? It's literally, yeah, neon like neon literally yellow. Gatorade yes, yellow, yes. like very like distinct. So just know that that is normal. Um, and just something that I think we don't talk about either enough. And then people are like, oh my gosh, I'm totally experiencing that. I've been yes. like drinking tons of water because I don't know why. That can be another thing to think about. Okay, so that's really, really helpful. So if you're on birth control for eight, 10, five years, do you suggest that you go off of it for a little while? Because I hear a lot of girls that are your, you know, millennials, yeah. that um, they're like, oh, I've been on birth control for so long and it, it worries me. Right. I don't know what to say to them. And I, you know, if their body feels like it needs to take a break, but then again, they may not want to get pregnant at right. 28, yes. 29 years old. Or they're not in a relationship. Or they're but not, they're like, right, yeah. they're not in a relationship, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. So what do you suggest? Should they go off it for a little while? So it depends. Always talk to your doctor because it depends on what particular symptoms that you, you were experiencing prior to birth control. Other things that you can consider doing is getting off of birth control for a couple of months. Just to give, so give your body a break. A little bit of important? a break, but most importantly, so you can know whether your cycles are regular or not regular. Oh. When you get a period on birth control, people think that it's a normal period that it's regular yes it's not actually a period at all it's a withdrawal bleed from the medication so you get those placebo pills so right. it's not the same thing so you want to give your body a couple of months to be able to determine okay are my cycles every 28 or 30 days are they not? So you have a good idea of where your levels are at. You can also, in combination, use what are called ovulation predictor kits. They're called OPKs. We use them in fertility to help women figure out where their fertile window is, like mm -hmm. when they ovulate. But you can use them in the same regard when it comes to um, not getting pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know when you're fertile, you can say, okay, these next couple days, don't have sex because I have a higher chance of pregnancy. Oh. So you can use that as a natural fertility method. Um, and that can be really helpful because you're actually looking at a hormone called luteinizing hormone. Mm -hmm. So it's literally an easy test. You do it from home. You can get the, you can actually order the kits pretty much anywhere. Amazon does have them. And you just take a urine it's sample. Accurate. Oh yeah, because it's looking at an actual urine. hormone. Okay, so you would suggest going off birth control for a little while if you can? If you can, to have an idea of what your cycle actually looks like. If after a couple months you're noticing cycles are really regular, you're ovulating just fine, and you're maybe you know not in a committed relationship or don't want to have a baby right now, then you can absolutely go back on birth control. It really depends on the person. Some people notice that, oh my gosh, my skin is better. Mm. I have better libido wow. being off of birth control. Really? Okay. So that can be something too. So depending on the person, it can be helpful. 
helpful to evaluate or if you potentially have conditions like PCOS which is mm -hmm. polycystic ovarian syndrome it affects a lot of women but when they're on birth control you don't know you have it because your cycles look so regular. it really masks so the birth control really masks, masks. a lot of things mm -hmm. so it works right for like right. protecting your symptoms in that time and that's what allopathic or traditional doctors do right they're trying to help you in the best way possible but they're really not getting to that root cause. The other thing that I always recommend is if you're not ready to get off of birth control, but you're like, I wanna check my hormones, don't check your hormones in the blood because they will look low. That's normal, right? That's how birth control works, right. lowers your hormones, so don't look at it in the blood, but you can actually do a urine test from the comfort of your home, which is really nice. We run one called the Dutch test, um, and it looks at how you break down and metabolize all your hormones. When we think about hormones, we often think estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, yes. Yes. but we don't think about thyroid function or adrenal so cortisol those are hormones too and they're all interconnected so doing testing like that can be helpful to have an idea okay how am I breaking down do I detox estrogen well all of those things to help support you um, that so can be there's helpful. really a lot to know yes <laughs> my goodness so when women come to see you in your practice and they want to go on birth control do you prescribe birth control we do sometimes, depending okay. on the person. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, we don't, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, I really believe in that integrative approach and working as a team and being part of your collaborative team. Having your primary care, maybe you see an endocrinologist, maybe mm. you see a reproductive endocrinologist that focuses on fertility. Having that group approach is where patients get the most benefit. I think what is so powerful about naturopathic medicine is we spend an hour with a patient. Right? So we have time to like get to know them, see yes. where, you know, Versus what's going on. a 10-minute yes. visit at a doctor's There office. was a study that oh. came out that said that um, patients were interrupted by their doctor within three minutes of an appointment, which means you never get anything out. That's crazy. I actually just went to see my gynecologist, but I never, I haven't seen a gynecologist in so long. I see the um, AP, uh, PA. Yeah. And she was great because I spent almost an hour talking to her and there was right? no wash yep. or anything. But normally if you saw the MD, it's you're in and you're out. Okay, what's going on? Let's yep. do a pap smear. Goodbye. See ya yeah, in so a year. Yeah. Like, yeah, and it's hard to have that conversation, and it's really not traditional medicine's fault. It's just right. how insurance is run, right? They're seeing mm -hmm. 60 to 80 patients a day. Right. Like, it has to be back-to-back, -back, and they're thinking more so of acute issues versus chronic disease. It's also the reason diabetes and things like that are not really managed very well with traditional medicine because it's just like a pill for every ill, and we're learning that that doesn't really work. I know. Uh, so... If somebody, okay, so we talked about if somebody wanted to go off the pill, yeah. what they would need to do. I like that idea of going off for a short while if you can, yeah. if you're not, you know, or figure out some other kind of birth control yeah. just so you know yeah. what your period cycle is. Again, exactly. see if you're regular and see if there is some hormonal balance. Yeah. And so it's not just the estrogen in the birth control, it's progesterone yeah. and it's, um, Another one, it, it's or is it just really? So usually it's just estrogen, progesterone, okay. or progestin. Mm -hmm. Okay. So and then one of the things you mentioned was that some women might experience a higher libido. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the average. Like, is there should is there like a normal libido range for women? Say. 25 to 35? It really depends on a variety of reasons. And, and that's why when I talk about libido with patients, I always ask them, do you have vaginal dryness? Do you have pain with intercourse? Because there can be different causes for low libido, right? Your body can kind of tell you or tell your brain, like, I am not interested in sex if it's painful, right? So your body can go right. hand in hand. Okay. So if it's painful, um, and the painfulness, well, it could be a variety of things. Mm -hmm. It could be um, dryness. Yeah, it could be anatomical. There's something in the way. Um, it could be also some patients are actually allergic almost to certain men's sperm. So that's something that's really interesting oh. too. So there's wow. a different ways that... Um, so how do, you figure, how do you figure that out? So there's different types of testing that we do to make sure that everything goes well. Some patients will say, I never had a problem with my previous partner. Okay. Now I'm having a problem, things like that. I think, too, we feel like we don't want to ask our partner to, like, wear, co like, a condom. We feel like, oh, we'll just take care of it or, like, it's our right. thing. And so there's a lot of pressure on us to be in charge of this for, like, yes. a decade. Why and then I know. It's crazy. It is it's, crazy. Mm -hmm. It's just like the man just, yeah. you know. 
does yes, his thing. Exactly. And we've got to we've got to manage yes. everything behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Little do they know. I know. <laughs> right. I know. Or the stress involved with it, or all those things. And then if you look at the back of a birth control um, pill box, it will say that there's. Of course, it, nobody has no one, ever. No, no. But do it when you go home. Go do it because it's really important. Um, it will say on the bottle that, or on the container that. After 35, there's increased risk of clots and other things and serious health issues involved with taking birth control. And that's something that we don't think about as, as well. Okay. We are going to be right back. We're going to take a commercial break, and we will be right back with Dr. Zen talking more about sex energy, metabolism, bloat, weight gain, all those wonderful things. All right. So we'll see you back in a few minutes, everybody. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, Following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code PODCAST to get 25% off. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic. Welcome back, everybody. I'm here with Dr. Zen, and we are talking about hormones and the effect that they have on our body. So we're talking about birth control and sex, and I wanted to just finish one thing off on that. So if somebody's having sex, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully everybody's having sex, yes. Um, what do they need to do if something hurts? First thing they should do. So always go talk to your doctor. Definitely it's important to evaluate. Sometimes we do what's called a transvaginal ultrasound. We're able to see kind of the area itself. Some women have more tight muscles too, so there's a pelvic floor issue part of it. We often think about Kegels, right? But Kegels actually can be not a good thing to do if it's too tight of a muscle. So we also recommend, and we do this a lot, is refer to patients to go to a physical therapist who specializes in the pelvic floor. Didn't know that existed five years ago, right? It's something that's actually super important. Um, Very important, especially after having a baby where maybe things are a little bit looser or you're noticing that you're like peeing without even knowing why. Oh, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) All those things. Doing jumping jacks and jump rope, and I'm like, okay, can't do this. Yes. Unless I put a diaper on. Exactly. But I feel like working out 
And we'll get to that. Working out really, really, really helps. It does. You know, it doesn't happen to me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a huge thing, but also making sure that we're getting that good muscle tone, right? The pelvic floor is super important. Um, So we want to make sure that there's nothing in the way um, and that those muscles are doing well. Sometimes it can be hormonal, right? So if we don't have enough estrogen, sometimes that can cause that tissue to kind of decrease. It can make uh, sex pretty painful. That damn estrogen. I know. Oh my goodness. (laughs) All right. So with all of this... It could be very stressful, mm-hmm. but let's talk about stress in life, yes. everyday stress. We all have it. Mm-hmm. We all need to manage it. You know, we try to meditate. We try to have our Zen time. Yeah. Uh, this is such a cool last name. <laughs> and what, how does stress affect the body, hormone imbalances, and so on? This is super huge. And I know that I know this is not an easy answer, so yeah. just... Yeah, give it to me. Absolutely. So something that I think is really hard, especially in the fertility world that I work in, a lot of doctors will just quickly say, you know, you'll get pregnant, don't worry, just relax. Which if you're a patient, literally you want to like slap that doctor. It's literally the worst thing to say. Like it's like calm down. Yeah, you're like, I'm not calm. Yeah, exactly. But there is a backbone to that, and I wish they would kind of explain what they meant by that. Um, So cortisol, which comes from the adrenal glands, those are those cute little organs that sit above the kidneys. You can feel them in your back. Um, They're just in your lower back, and those are going to be your adrenal glands. They're really involved in cortisol production, and we know that cortisol is good. Cortisol actually is important to make sure that we get away from a moving car or exercise. Exercise is a form of stress, um, and it releases... Flight or flight, mm -hmm. right? Yep, fight or flight, yep. And it helps us with, you know, that exercise-induced aspect to our health and to uh, those cortisol levels and adrenal function. But if we have too much of it, right, there's such a thing as too much exercise, there's such a thing as too much, you know, stress in your life, professional stress, financial, all of those things. What happens is your body will try to compensate first. So it's going to try to keep you like where you are at. So those levels of cortisol will slowly start to increase. We start to notice kind of jitteriness, difficulty sleeping, maybe heart palpitations. We kind of just feel like on edge all the time. Or maybe we were like, oh, I could totally have coffee, but now if I have just a sip, I'm like buzzing all day. Like what is going on? Yeah. That can I be, do know people yes, that are like that. Mm-hmm. So That can be associated with those high levels of cortisol. Oh. Your body, before it starts to tank, we start to notice that, those cortisol levels will start to decrease over time. We cannot keep up with those levels. Before we start to see that decrease, though, our body looks around and says, where can I steal or what other hormones can I steal from in order? Tell everybody what progesterone does. Yes, progesterone is kind of like, think of it as like your natural Xanax. Super, super important for mood regulation in a variety of different ways. Um, And so, so, so helpful um, when it comes to your mood regulation. So if we start to notice that you're struggling with any kind of mood disorder, so whether it is anxiety, depression, or maybe you're like right before my period, I feel like super anxious. Partly po- is that the associated with progesterone? Mm-hmm. Okay, so for me, yes, um, progesterone. Like, so I have a hard time falling asleep. A huge one too. So that's progesterone. Yes, so very that's what involved. I'm taking with the bioidenticals. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a few minutes yeah. too. Yeah, so super important too when it comes to sleep. So a lot of women, I'll ask them how, how are they sleeping? Are they having trouble falling asleep, staying yes. asleep? That can be indicated when it comes to progesterone. It's also really important in um, pregnancy. So when we see women who experience a miscarriage or recurrent miscarriages, often it's because they just don't have enough progesterone to hold that pregnancy in that first trimester. So we always say stress is very much related to that progesterone. That's what I always heard. Mm-hmm. So um, would you, so I mentioned that I'm, I just started taking bioidentical yeah. hormones and so I'm taking progesterone, estradiol, estradiol, estradiol mm-hmm. right? Um, thyroid. Yeah. Um, and what would be the other one I'm taking? Um, and a little bit of testosterone. Uh-huh. I think there's one other one. Oh, melatonin. Yes. But I need more melatonin because I'm still not sleeping, sleeping. well. But mm-hmm. it's only been, it's only been a month. So if a woman comes to you and she tells you this, do you you take? take the tests that you need to take, yep. and do you put her on progesterone? So I love bioidentical hormones. So here's what bioidentical... that's where we fell in yes, love. Yes, yes. Bioidentical hormones are super fabulous. I Explain think. what they are. Yeah, so bioidentical uh, hormones are hormones that are bioidentical, which means they're made in a lab. However, they match identical to the chemical structure of your normal or natural progesterone. 
So for example, if you're taking progesterone, we give it as progesterone. An example of um, hormone replacement that isn't natural or is synthetic is progestin. That isn't progesterone. So it's a form that can also be given, but it's not bioidentical, so it's not always the same. Is that what's in the pellets? So no, it's usually given as progesterone. Okay, um, what's cool. interesting too really? is um, when you think of estrogen. So um, back in the day, there was like in the 90s, it was really popular to do like Premarin. Premarin. My mom took Premarin. Yes. Okay. A lot, a lot of women took Premarin. Premarin was an example of hormone replacement, but it was not bioidentical. It was actually bioidentical for a horse. So it was coming from a horse, um, actually the urine of a That's pregnant gross. horse, which is disgusting. You would literally disgusting. like put a little bit of water on the tablet and it would smell like urine. Oh, like it's disgusting. Yeah. We do not do that anymore because we're also realizing there are some side effects and disadvantages of hormone replacement. There is a risk of cancer and those kind of things. So we want to make sure that we're doing it in the lowest dose possible and we're doing it that it matches the body. That makes the biggest difference. I think a lot of people, I've mentioned it to a few people and they said it causes cancer. So the bioidenticals. So this is really important too because when we look at cancer risk in your lifetime as a woman, we start to notice there's an increased risk of cancer after menopause. Well, what's changing after menopause? We're actually seeing that decrease in hormones. So we know that hormones are a little bit of protection during our like 20s, 30s, 40s. As we start to kind of taper off, there is kind of that disadvantage of having lower hormones. There is definitely a time and place for hormones. So we say that if you go through menopause about, you know, within the 10 years of menopause is when we can give bioidentical hormones. After that, there is research that shows that there is more disadvantage than advantage. So it kind of depends so on that's where why you when are. We talked, mm -hmm. I caught yeah. it right because I, I went through it at 52. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I caught it in enough in a good, time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, eight, to eight be, years later, but yes. still, it's better than... Exactly. So it's all about definitely working with a physician who understands hormones, doesn't overdo it. I hate when patients go to a doctor and they treat their patients or their women kind of like little men and just assume that we like just need a smaller dose mm. and that we metabolize hormones the same way. We don't. Um, an example of a medication for a really long time, Ativan, um, which was used for sleep yes. for a long, long time, we were just given giving women about the same dose as men, but women were having these like crazy symptoms. They were like having vivid dreams. They were waking up in the middle of the night and had no idea. We started to realize they don't metabolize or break down that medication in the same way as men. So a lot of research right now is still done mostly on men. So it's important to make sure that you're working with a physician who understands that, that's checking your levels on a more regular basis so you can help mitigate your chances of any risk factors. So what's the difference between BHRT yes. and HRT? So bioidentical hormones, so those are the ones that are, again, identical to your body. Um, sometimes we do it through a compounding pharmacy, which I love okay. using a bio, you know, a compounding pharmacy is super helpful because we can customize it to your specific needs. Also, hormones can be given in a variety of ways. You mentioned pellets, and some people might be listening and be like, what the mm, heck is a pellet? Yeah, I've, I heard yes. about that for years. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I never did it. Yeah, so pellets are a form of bioidentical hormones. It's pretty much that we insert kind of a little pellet into the butt muscle, so like into the glute. Um, the advantage is that you wouldn't have to change it for three months, so no like daily injections or taking a capsule, and so it has become extremely popular. The only problem is, is we don't know how it, it gets metabolized in each individual person. So a lot of people feel like fabulous month number one, month number two, they're starting to like slow, slowly not feel so great. And then month three, it's like dead. So that can be a huge issue too. And then we're giving really high doses. So for example, if we give testosterone in a pellet, we can have high, high levels um, and it actually can cause hair loss. So try telling a woman that their hair is falling out and that there's nothing we can do until those pellets dissolve. Like it can be Horrible. really yeah, traumatic. Going back to the stress. Yeah. You're okay. like, oh my gosh. Right. So going back to the stress. So what do you do when somebody comes in, they're stressed, they've had miscarriages, that's making them even more stressed, or they have a high, st highly stressful life or yeah. job, and they feel off. Yes. What What do you do with that person? So hormone testing makes a huge difference, looking at those cortisol levels. So the best way to look at cortisol is either through a urine test or a saliva test. So in that Dutch test that I mentioned previously, we're able to look at everything. So we look at your cortisol levels over 24 hours. We're able to evaluate kind of where your levels are, and we have a good idea on a graph 
what that looks like. I'm all about visual too because I think as a patient, we want to see things. We want to know how are things going or sometimes we take supplements and we're like, is it even working? We want to see that progress. So I like blood work in that way as well. Um, and then we decide kind of what kind of additional hormones you may potentially need. We want to help support your um, your mood as much as possible. So important if you have low progesterone, maybe we add a little bit of bioidentical progesterone. Maybe after talking with you, we realize you actually have other issues going on. Maybe you have gas and bloating. Maybe you have constipation, diarrhea. Right, Those right. also are very much related. We know that many of our hormones um, can be detoxed with our gut health. So that's really important. Um, and we want to make sure too, if you're experiencing anxiety and depression, oftentimes people are prescribed an antidepressant or Prozac or things like right. that where really we have to get to that root cause and gut health is such an important part. We know that the brain and gut are very much involved and we know that most of our neurotransmitters, so those are the, our mood regulators, are actually produced in our gut, not in our brain. So whenever I see anxiety and depression, we always focus on gut health. So gut health, which is, so we met through Sakara yes. because we are both involved with the company as ambassadors because yes. we believe in there are big, big proponents of having a healthy gut. Yeah. And that's where the mind and the body is needs to make that connection. Could you get a little bit more specific on... So if somebody says they're having... If somebody may not say they're having gut issues, but they're constipated yeah. or their stomach hurts or they can't eat certain foods, yeah. what do you think that is from? Is it from that they do have... Are there really food allergies? You know, I just want to... Yeah, no, good question. So especially if patients are like, recently I feel like I am intolerant to everything. I can't eat anything without having a reaction. I'm just allergic to everything. Mm. That really tells me that the gut system is like under fire. Our immune system is created, most of it, 80 to 90% in the GI system. So we know that sometimes food can sometimes act as like an alarm or kind of that foreign object. What you just said, can you repeat that about ninety <laughs> percent? Yes, mean, that's huge. huge. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. So it's a lot. Say that again. So 80 to 90% of our immune system is actually created in our gut system. So when we feel those like butterflies in our stomach when we're anxious, uh, totally a real thing. You mean like I was, when I was rushing here? Yes. (laughs) Or when my alarm system went off today, we had a fire drill for anyone who doesn't know, we had a fire drill this morning. (laughs) So, wow. Okay. So eating, eating is, eating the right foods for your body is really important. So if somebody comes to you and talks to you again, do you test their hormones? first and foremost, and then figure out what they're eating and try to clean up their diet. Because so, you know clean diets can definitely it's help. so important. I think specifically because I work with women and being a woman myself, I really believe in creating and adding things in over taking things out. I think so often we get this list of yes. avoid all these foods, and then many women have really hard relationships with food, and then they feel like I can't eat or there's nothing I can do. Or, or that stresses them out that because stresses them then out. Yep. they're like, well, wait a minute, you want me to write down what I'm eating or you want me to yeah. be aware? And so the first thing they want to do is eliminate, eliminate, yeah. and it's really not that. And it's really triggering, and many women that I see, many of them after talking to them have had eating disorders or or kind of on that brink of like struggling with that. So I want to make sure that they're getting more access to good nutrients, and then the other things will kind of leave. That's why I love Sakara because it's kind of like that ready for you. You don't have to think about it. You'll have those healthy meals. You'll have that nutrition. You'll feel really good without feeling restricted or feeling like you're hungry. And that was huge. Right. And this isn't, we both love Sakara, but this isn't an infomercial. No, 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 no. It's just just the truth. It naturally aligns with what we do to help women. Uh, So the gut health, the cortisol levels, um, is so cortisol, a lot of people don't know is a hormone, Yeah, you know? And so are there ways to reduce the cortisol level, something that you can do? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, because so cor- everybody, cause that's involved, that involves the, um, metabolism yeah. because it's a hormone. Mm-hmm. It's super important. We want to make sure it's not too low and not too high. So testing can be really helpful to kind of know where your levels are at. Is that easy? It, yes. Super okay. easy. Yeah. You can do it again in a, like a spit test. So you, you take a spit, like a little sample of saliva a couple times a day, and then you ship it to the lab. Super easy, super fun. We need to do it. Wow. Or, Ladies, do that. Yes. Or you can do it in a urine sample as well. Again, the Dutch test is a great option to really evaluate it over time. From there, there's different things. Lifestyle does make a difference. We know that from research, one of the best things that we can do for our health is exercise, but in the right aspect, 
commonly understanding that it's for wellness. Yeah, wellness first. I think yes. because people, a lot of people think that it's about weight loss or even maybe weight gain, but it's really for wellness. A hundred percent, and it's the type of exercise that really makes a difference too. Some patients will say, "Oh my gosh, I started Peloton or like high intensity, and I do it every single day, and I'm gaining weight over losing like weight," and they feel super frustrated. When in reality, it's because their cortisol levels are also really, really high, and that may be not the type of exercise they need in that season of their life. Hear that, ladies. <laughs> Hear that, please. Yeah, Preaching. Preaching to you guys. So, so important because it's really about the season of life. It does not mean I love Peloton, I love high intensity, but right. it's really creating that more routine and regimen of adding other things in. I'm a big believer in yoga Pilates, obsessed with Melissa Woodhealth. She has some great workouts, things like that to like bring in that variety is huge that bring yeah that brings you down where you're still moving your body yeah it's still high intensity yeah. but not necessarily high impact where it's stressing you out exactly and I don't know about you I have a Peloton also yeah and I got it during quarantine and then what happened was I was totally into it like everyone but yeah. I, I've, I've been working out for 40 years right but I was getting tired of some of the instructors yelling at yeah. me <laughs> so it was stressing me out yeah. like screw that I'm off the Peloton for a little while, or I found a different instructor. Right. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you do that to calm yourself down, not to not to stress you out. Mm -hmm. And then the time of day that you work out is super important, too. So cortisol should increase naturally first thing in the morning. It's kind of when you start to, a lot of people will say, yeah, I don't feel super refreshed first thing in the morning, but, you know, an hour in, I kind of start getting my groove on, and yes. I feel really good. That's when those cortisol levels are at their highest, and they will naturally decrease throughout the day. If patients are exercising maybe too much late at night, we can see that cortisol increase again in the night, and it can affect sleep. So I always say, if you're doing high-intensity workouts, try to do it before 2 p.m. So we're helping those cortisol levels naturally without kind of dysregulating that. I love everything you're saying. <laughs> this is what I've been telling my clients. Yeah. Yes. And again, you, you mentioned before that so much of the research comes from testing on men. Yeah. And, you know, I read recently that it's not great for women to work out at 5.30 a.m. Yeah. Because it's good for men yeah. because they're producing testosterone mm -hmm. during that time. Yeah. But it's not good for women. And yeah. women need to understand when you see these women waking up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and work out, you're like, ladies, that's not right for you. Yeah. That's not good for a woman. Is that true? Or yeah. did I just make that up? No, it's okay. really, really true. Right. And then also because if we're women who also, you know, if we're cycling or we have a menstrual cycle, our hormones change throughout the month. So it's also important. We also think of, we typically think it, think of it in a negative way, right? Like, oh, she's on her period or like she's PMSing or all these horrible things. Right. But really we should be using our, our cycle to really help us navigate Empower when us. we exercise, when we do certain projects, like our creativity is different in estrogen levels. When we have higher estrogen, we are more in a calm state. We can kind of work in groups and things like that when we have higher levels of progesterone. So actually we can use our cycle to our advantage. And I think we've always like assumed that we were just like mini men yes. because research has shown us that, or that's kind of the, the treatments that they did. Sometimes hormones were not even tested on women and then they were given to women. Women. It was crazy. Yeah. So how does somebody find out what they're at? So let's just say I'm going to do this next yeah. month. I'm going to test what my levels are. Yeah. How do you find out what your estrogen levels are at what time? So I should be doing a high intensity workout at this time. So I would say hormone testing is really helpful. So doing like the Dutch test, for example, to see where your levels are at. If you are not cycling, if you're like postmenopausal, it doesn't have to be at a particular time of the you know of the month, which is awesome and fabulous. Right, right. There is a benefit. Yes. Um, if you are cycling and you're not on birth control and we're checking your levels in the blood, then we actually do two different blood draws: one in the first part or the follicular phase of your cycle, and then the luteal phase, the second half of your cycle, to evaluate where your levels are at and if there's any deficiencies. That gives us a better idea of when you should be exercising in certain ways, what your body really needs. I think mindfulness, taking just like meditation to a whole nother level is so important. It can be five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever that looks like. It's just a great way to also improve um, your health as well. It's so important. And I think, you know, for me personally, and I've, I have a lot of clients that are around my age, and well, you know, and younger women like yourself, and I, I really tried to tell them guide them mm -hmm. you know embrace embrace that feminine side yeah doesn't always have to be hard 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 because that's sort of that's our masculine side yeah embrace and also 
It sounds really corny and hippy-dippy, but listen to your body. A hundred percent. If your body doesn't want to jump on that bike, then go take a walk. Yeah. Do do um, a, a meditation. Yeah. You know, take a yoga class, something. Mm-hmm. So when is the best time? We're almost finished with our time, and I, I don't want to end this. Um, mm-hmm. When is the best time for, let's take the decades, 20, 30, 40, 50, and beyond, best time to have sex? So best time of day? Yes. So it depends. So I will say that it really depends on when you have vaginal dryness, if you have it, and then how you're feeling. So energy-wise, energy has a big impact on when to have sex. So sometimes it can be in the morning. So some people actually feel better in the morning versus in the evening. Um, it really depends on the I particular. do not like night sex. I'm too tired. I don't know <laughs> I about am. you. Literally, morning is way <laughs> yes, better. Yes, yes. Or after but it de- Yeah, but it depends on the person. So I think really, again, listening to your body, being intuitive to what feels right to you, having that relationship with your partner. It's not just about like doing it for someone else, but doing it for yourself too. Having that intimacy is really important in how we connect with our partners. We actually release hormones when we have sex. So it's a good way to connect with our partner. So also super important. I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you brought up intimacy Mm -hmm. because it's not, I'm using the word sex as overall, but it really is the intimacy first. It's relationship. And that that leads to beautiful sex or whatever kind of sex you want to have. But you need to have that intimacy first for many, many reasons for that, that connection and, you know, to know that you're in a safe place also. Right. And then being open with your partner of what you like, what you don't like things. People assume that, you know, one partner wants this, or I was listening to a goop podcast, which I thought was super fabulous about asking your partner, like, how often would they like to have sex Mm. and vice versa Mm -hmm. so that you're on the same page? Cause maybe you have certain, um, you know, assumptions of what someone else wants, or maybe they have assumptions about you. And to have that, that open conversation can make a huge difference too. All right. One last question. Yes. And then, well, actually two more questions. Um, what do you think of lube? If somebody's um, has dryness, is lube okay? So lube is great. It's actually going to help prevent any kind of vaginal tearing. So super important if you need it. Um, there's different forms of it. So there's more natural lubricants that have less um, chemicals in it. Super important too. Um, or there's a product called Bezwecken. It's like a um, almost like a beeswax that you use not during sex but in between sex. So kind of like oh. a vaginal suppository in a way. Kind of helps um, keep that area um, nice and moist. So then that way that can be helpful as well. I know Foria Wellness has mm-hmm. yeah. vaginal um, suppositories yeah. for vaginal health. Yeah, so super helpful too. Yeah. Um, sometimes we give um, vaginal um, probiotics too. So the vaginal tract is super important when it comes to our gut microbiome and our own microbiome in the vaginal area as well. So something else to also consider. Wow. These are like great topics to yes. just like talk with your doctor about. Open that conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have one last question. What does living a fearlessly authentic life mean to you? For me, it means being fearlessly empowered and feeling like you can really have a good understanding of where you are right now and where you are going and having that motivation. I think that's super empowering. And to also feel like you're not alone. And I think that's really important too. You, everyone has their different aspects in their life, different hormonal changes, different, you know, occurrences, whether it's miscarriages, infertility, all of those things, but to have that community base and feeling empowered to help others and vice versa, I think is super powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much. How can, I mean, so much useful information. How can everybody reach you? Yes. Feel free to join me on Instagram. It's Dr. Zen NMD. You can find me there. You can send me messages. I'm on there every day sending some tidbit information. We also have our fertility online course that just launched. So that can be used for anyone who's not local to Scottsdale, or you can come visit me in sunny Scottsdale, um, which is also a great way too. But I really appreciate being on this podcast. It was so much fun. Oh, Lisa, thank you so, so much. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, Please subscribe and like and share and all those wonderful things. I appreciate you listening every week and have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison-Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and unlock the keys to a more powerful you.